Hi everyone at High Point Life, what a joy it is to be with you. I wish I could be there in person with you. At the moment, that's not possible, but hopefully sometime soon we can connect together and you can take me out for those Malaysian never-ending meals. Uh, thank God for you all, we love you. And we certainly are cheering you on and championing what you are doing for Christ in that most important nation right there in the middle of Asia. So God bless you all, Rhonda and I, and all the Metro Church send you our love. You're never far from our thoughts. We talk about you often, and it's my privilege to be able to share with you today. You know, when we pray that prayer that Jesus taught, where we say, Lord, and deliver us from evil, you know, that can sound a little bit like, you know what, I'm in a big place of trouble, but all I've got to do is just sit back and watch Jesus go to work and all I've got to do is let God take care of it all. But I want to give you today a different perspective on it and what you and I are meant to be doing in some of the battles that come our way in life. It says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren and sisters, of course, included, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the wiles of the devil, not the power, but against his strategy. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You and I may not always be aware of it, but all of us are in a battle. Now, I don't want this to sound like every day there's all these forces and, you know, every day's a struggle. But the truth is that sometimes the personalities or the problems or the circumstances that we are facing are what stands out to us. Sometimes there is another battle going on behind the one you see. Sometimes it's not about that person and the conflict that's ongoing there. Sometimes it's not about that health issue. Sometimes it's not about those ongoing financial problems and pitfalls. Sometimes there is a battle raging behind it all. And if we aren't aware of that, or at least open to it, then we'll make the mistake of trying to fight spiritual battles with natural tools and weapons. And of course, we won't get the result that we want. So I'm praying today that God will help every single one of us, first of all, to have openness of heart. Secondly, to have the wisdom of discernment. We aren't going to go around and find the devil behind every bush, but neither are we going to be oblivious as though somehow or other, though he be a defeated foe, that it's all finished. I'm told that between uh, the the D-Day where the war effectively in World War II was decided and VE Day, which was the cessation of hostilities. I'm told by historians that more people died in that period of time than in all the other time of the war. In other words, even though victory was certain, battles still raged. You and I, we know that Jesus is Lord He's not going to be Lord. He won't one day be crowned Lord. He's Lord now. But even though that happened at the cross where he took captivity captive, he ascended into heaven, the scripture says, and gave gifts unto men. And even though 
He sits now at the right hand of the Father. The reality is that there are battles and there are struggles, and I want to help you and I to do them well in our life and to come up with a victory. Let me give you an example, though, of what I'm saying, because in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 25, well, actually, the whole of chapter 17, you know the story. It's David and Goliath. But it doesn't start out with David and Goliath. It starts out with the army of Israel and Goliath. It's fairly telling, we won't go into it, but the king's not at the battle, which is where he ought to have been. Uh, but all the other men are there and Goliath comes out every morning and he begins to bellow and call out to these people and says, give me a man that we may fight together and if he wins, we'll serve you, uh, which they were lying about, by the way. And uh, if you, if I win, you'll serve us. And so he came out with that and you've got to imagine the scene. There's a valley between them. The armies are there. The armies of the Philistines over there. And out comes this massive giant of a man. And there looks like the fight is between people, between personalities. 1 Samuel 17, verse 25. Listen to what the people say to David when he arrives with the bread and the cheese. This is what he says. They say to him, have you seen the man? That was what filled their vision. What they see is Goliath. But I want you to hear what David said only a few verses later in verse 36. He says this, Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Watch this. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. They're all occupied with Goliath. All they can see is this person who's dominating their field of view. What David sees is that there's a battle going on spiritually, that it's not about a man and his physical size and his, uh, his warrior prowess. What it's about is a spiritual battle between the forces of the Philistines' gods and the armies of the living God. And David goes into this never believing that it's just about knocking down a guy much bigger than him. The truth is that some of the battles you and I are facing, some of the battles in your nation and mine right now. I was thinking just this morning about some of the things that have been happening over the last couple of years in our nation. And so many people get occupied with vaccines and all mandates and restrictions. I think there's some greater battles going on in my nation right now. I believe that there are battles for uh, you know, the erosion of trust because so many people have lost trust in, in people that they had trusted before. And that's a spiritual battle that the church needs to be engaged with. We need to understand the difference between leadership and power. Uh, Jesus was uh, an amazing leader, but he never exercised power over people. Whereas the Romans, well, to them, leadership meant power. And we're seeing some of all this getting played out in our world here right now. There's a bunch of other things, but I'll leave them for another day. I just think Christians need to be aware not to fight in the natural, but we need to be people in the spirit because obviously spiritual battles can only be fought and won in the spiritual realm by spiritual men and women. I know that's obvious, but think about it a second. So many people, so many Christians, they get into a battle and they start arguing and debating and going like that. But you can't win spiritual battles with arguments. 
You can't win spiritual battles with debates. Have you ever had a discussion with someone who was so absolutely convinced and everything you said was true and made sense, but it never shifted them at all? You've got to understand that spiritual battles aren't won with your wealth or even the force of your personality. A spiritual battle can only be won in the spiritual realm by spiritual men and women. And therefore, your spiritual strength is of utmost importance. When we pray, Lord, deliver us from evil, what we're really saying is, Lord, would you make me strong for the battle? Would you teach me how to war? It says in the Psalms, blessed be the Lord my God who trains my hands for battle. Are you being trained by God or are you just sitting back saying, Lord, deliver us from evil? Oh, well, the Lord, the Lord knows. Well, the Lord might know, but a week in a life will never win many battles. You and I have to become strong in our life if we're going to win the battles that we are involved with. Now, a strong in a life is not the result of a gift or of grace alone. I know the grace of God is involved with it, but that's not really. I think one of the biggest lies the devil ever tells and convinces Christians of is that somehow or other victories belong to the spiritual elite. If you stand on a platform and you have a title, you've got an extra edge when it comes to winning battles. If that were true, there'd be no pastors or leaders that fail. There'd be none of them that slip into a, a, a pothole or hit a speed bump or give up through discouragement or some other thing. If that was the case and it went with the title or it went with the role, well, we wouldn't see the failures that we've all seen at some point or other in our life. So I know that no matter who you are, you can become strong. I know that no matter who you are, you can be stronger than you are. Don't sit there today saying to yourself, well, you know, that's for, that's for Pastor Stephen. You know, he, he, he could do that. He, he's fine. He's, he's kind of, look at him, man of God. And he can sing as well. Uh, it's not for the special people. Otherwise, Ephesians 6 and verse 10, it doesn't say, finally, my apostles, be strong. Finally, my elders of the church, be strong. Paul writes and says, finally, my brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord. Now, I want you to notice he doesn't say, just try. Maybe God will grace you. He commands us as though the responsibility is there for us to be strong in our life. God will never command you to do what you cannot do. So if God tells me to be strong, then I certainly can be strong. And uh, I think this is one of the, the joys, can I put it that way, one of the challenges. Um, I like competition, always have. I like to win, uh, no matter what it is. I don't mean, you know, in some manic kind of way. Um, I find it helpful if I get into a difficult time to remind myself that these are the moments that strength exists for. Strength is not for the everyday, easy time of living. Strength is for the battles. Listen to me, uh, if you're in a battle right now in your world or life or in your home or in your job or in your business, and you certainly are in your nation as we are, 
Strength is more important then than it's ever been. That's not the time to lay down and suck your thumb and cry for mummy. That's the time when you've got to stand up and say, God, I'm going to press into you. I'm going to find your strength. God, I can be that. I can be a giant killer. I can be someone. You know, when David slew Goliath, you go back and read it. All of a sudden, all the Israelites that have fled in fear, because it says they fled from him, all of those began to chase the Philistines. They got emboldened because they saw someone else with courage in their life. So I believe that for every one of you, this matters. I pray that High Point Life will be a church filled with strong people who know how to battle and who don't quit. A church filled with people who, when the battles come, don't run to hide, but rather they rise up and say, come on, we're going to believe God. We're going to press into God because these things are one in the spiritual realm not in the natural realm. So let's talk about becoming spiritually strong. Now, I'm not talking about how much you know. Let me just ask you a simple question that might help you understand what I'm saying. How many people here know? Raise your hand. You know that physical exercise brings lots of health benefits. How many of you regularly have an exercise program? How many of you here know that you should eat healthily? Let me just see. How many of you can say, that's my lifestyle? I'm not doing that to embarrass anybody. I'm just doing it to prove the point that knowing something is not what brings success. It's not what you know. It's whether you are doing what you know. Knowing it without doing it will never make you the fit person, the healthy person, the successful person, the godly person, or the strong person. So the things that we're about to talk about are so basic and everyday. But my question to you is not, do you know them? The question is, am I doing these things? Is this the way my life works? See, I, I could tell you, I know that the Bible says that a positive confession will lift your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. What a powerful thing. Oh, yes, the, uh, the, the, the tongue of the wise is a wellspring of life. I can tell you all that, but knowing it won't achieve anything if I keep on going, repeating the last bad news I heard spouting out what I saw in social media or whatever everybody else is saying. In other words, there's got to be a doing of it. So come on, let's lean in together. I want to help you today and I hope this will help you in your life to really start to build strength. And if you've never done these things or they haven't been a part of your life, let them begin from this day on to become a part of your life. Number one, first thing that if you want to become spiritually strong, well, Pretty obviously, I think it's the Word of God. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4 Jesus is in a battle. The devil himself comes to tempt and to push Jesus. And we might go, well, that was Jesus. But you know, you can't tempt somebody unless they can fail. And certainly Jesus could at that point have given in. But listen to his response when the devil says to him, Make these stones into bread. You've been fasting 40 days. Come on, you're hungry. Eat this, turn this. You can do it. He turned water into wine. Why do you do this? And he says this to him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. The word live there, by the way, 
in the Greek means to literally have a life. Man shall not have a life by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This book is not designed as just guidelines for the slightly wayward. It's not just a behavior modification program. It's meant to encourage you and I to see what God will do, what His nature's like, what His promises are like. And so we press in and say, that's what I can be. Am I there yet? Not even close. But I think, well, I've got another 60 or so years to go. And I hope that by the time I get to the end of them, my faith will be stronger. My love for God will be greater. My commitments will be purer. And and I trust that that's what my life will look like. But I'm not going to give up because I know that the biggest battles are perhaps the ones in front, the ones ready to come. When David killed the lion and the bear, I guess that was the highlight of his life. He must have looked at it and thought, wow, I didn't know I was capable. They're both ferocious animals. And David won the victory. And he probably thought, this is it. You know, it'll never get bigger than this. And then one day he happens to come up to the battle and he sees a Goliath. And then all of a sudden, those great victories made sense at the sight of the larger one. So come on, you've won some battles in your life. Let God encourage you. Let him, he's getting me to do it for you today. They say, come on, you've won them before. God's answered prayer for you before. Let's press in for more of what God has. I believe that if you will come to the Word each day with an open and inquiring mind, saying to yourself, what does this say to me? And what does this say about me? I believe you'll grow. A friend of mine, Mark Edwards in Queensland, wrote a book called um, uh, Coffee with Jesus, I think. And uh, it was about journaling. And uh, I brought him over and I actually told people, I said, look, uh, this actually isn't for me. I'm doing this because it might help some of you. But, you know, I went to the seminar that he put on on journaling. And I remember listening to it and thinking, that sounds interesting. I thought I might give it a try. Well, I did one day. And he gave us these outlines. You can download there's many of them on the web on reading the Bible through in a year or reading it through in in two years. So I downloaded the one for reading the Bible through in a year. Well, that I think is 11 or 12 years ago. And every day since but one, every day since, the first thing I do in my day is I get out the Bible and I tick off like I did this morning, Uh, Numbers chapter 1 and 2 and then Acts 24 was the reading for today. And so I read those and I let the Word speak to me. I read in Acts 24, I think it was verse 25, where Felix and his wife Drusilla are having conversations ongoing with Paul. And then Paul's, uh, Paul's hears Felix the ruler and Paul's in custody, by the way. And he says, you know, when I get a more convenient time, I'll call for you again. And that spoke to me about how often we make such poor decisions because we make them around convenience. What suits me? What suits me right now? You know, what's easiest to do? And we make those around convenience. And so I get that out of the Word of God. And that strengthens my life because right now, there's a few things in my life where I go, well, I know what suits me. And I know, you know, what suits me right now. And I know what's easiest. And so I read that word of God and it strengthens me not to fall into the trap of convenience. You know what I'm saying? 
Now, I've got to be honest with you. Does that mean every day I get up going, oh, God, I'm so hungry today. I can barely wait to read the Word. No, truth is, some days I wake up and I'm tired. Some days it's been a very busy week. But, you know, I just do it. You know, I don't sit down to breakfast going, well, you know, but do I really love breakfast? You know, my my oat flakes and milk with banana on them, do it. That's a bit Aussie, I know, for you guys. But, you know, if I was with you, it would be, do I really want to have roti and and uh, roti chicken chennai or something or other? Uh, or what are the, I, I can't remember all those. What, what's that big dosa thing? What's that, you know, the big pancakey thing that I've had there? You know, it's amazing. And it seems to me you eat it at breakfast, you eat it at morning tea, afternoon tea, supper, whatever. Anyway, it's all good. And But you don't have to be in love with it. You just do it because you know you need it. And I want to encourage you, if a Bible reading program will help you do that, well, then get one and then follow it and just make it a habit of your life. If you want to get strong, you don't get strong by visiting the gym once a month, going around looking at all the equipment going, wow, looking at the pictures of those muscle-bound people like me, you know, people ripped and, and just strong. You don't get it by looking at other people. So many people look at a pastor or a leader that they think is strong and they hope that somehow strength will come to them through osmosis, that merely sitting in their presence will make them strong, but it won't. You need something like the Word of God on a daily basis in your life. Here's the second one. I, I, I did warn you already that these are not complicated. These are things that you know, but I trust they're things that you don't just know that you do. Prayer. Prayer is such a key to making us strong. You know, uh, back before the pandemic, I felt the Lord, I think I was in Indonesia actually, and I heard the Lord as clearly as anything say to me, it's time to seek the Lord. There was no mention of COVID. There was no diseases. I was on holiday. But I remember thinking to myself, wow, I ought to do that then. And so when I came back to Australia, I started coming into the church uh, every Saturday just to pray. And I didn't come with an agenda. I wasn't praying for anything. I was doing what I'd been told. It's time to seek the Lord. And I've done that every week since that time. And uh, it's been such an amazing help to my life. I doubt that I could have survived and I doubt we could have led so well through this whole pandemic as well as we have. I doubt we could have without that time of prayer. Because so many times in prayer, my, I, I'd begin with my mind like soggy spaghetti, not you know full of everything coming my way. And then I'd get into the presence of God and all my perspective would shift. Prayer doesn't have to be a certain method or a certain style, but it does have to have a certain spirit. Listen to James chapter 5 and verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. In other words, it's not, I don't know what fervent means to you. Fervent to me means that my heart and my passions are engaged. Doesn't mean what you look like. I don't mind whether you're a yeller when you pray and out loud walk around her like that's me or whether you're just a quiet, sit in the chair, talk to Jesus kind of person. 
I don't think it really matters which style you have. I don't think God likes a style more than another. But I do believe it's got to be fervent. It's got to be something where you lock in to that while you're doing it. And effectual means that it's focused and it's got purpose. It means that it's aiming for an effect. And that speaks to me about faith. There's no point coming to pray if all you're going to do is tell God all that he already knows. Lord, you know how hard it is and you know how difficult it is. I don't come uh, into that place for that reason. You know, many years ago, we had a Singaporean as our church treasurer, a long time ago now, and we'd hit a particularly difficult spot financially. There was a whole lot of things that had, had happened that were not our, in our control, really. And he was our treasurer and he was praying. And I'll never forget one day Kokian said to me, he said, Pastor, today I was praying and I was telling God about all the problems and about what we needed. And he said, I heard the Lord say this to me. He said, stop telling me about the mountain. Go tell the mountain about me. That's a lot of years ago, but I've never forgotten it. You know, when you get into the place of prayer, it's not the time to rehearse your sorry list and all the things that you wish were different. It's time to come before God and say, God, this is what you've said. This is what your promises are. God, here's my expectations in life. I'm expecting there to be blessing in my life. Lord, I'm expecting in my life that there'll be increase. Lord, I'm expecting that there'll be favor in my life. God, I'm expecting that there'll be abundance in my life. Lord, I'm expecting that the right partnerships are going to come my way. Lord, I'm expecting strength is going to be a part of my future and my landscape in Jesus' name. Let there be effectual fervent prayer. Will you, will you feel like it all the time? Nope. Well, at least I don't. Uh, I think sometimes you just get in there and, and just say, God, today I'm going to do this. Word, prayer. Third one's fellowship. Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 12. Have a look at it again. It says this, For we wrestle. Not I wrestle. We wrestle. You and I are not meant to fight on our own. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Don't neglect or forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. And then he adds this writer, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, the closer we get to the return of Christ, we ought to be increasing our connections, not decreasing them. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 is a great verse to remember, particularly because our human tendency is if we get offended, if we get disappointed, if things become difficult, we want to withdraw and we want to isolate. And Proverbs 18, verse 1 says this, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Stop thinking about others. It's about me. And then it adds this, he rages against all wisdom or all wise judgment. In other words, there is nothing smart in this. There's nothing wise. If you want to pick the most foolish thing you can do, it's to cut people off. It's to isolate yourself. Well, I'm offended. I'm never going back to that church ever again. I don't like the way they did this. I'd go, really? According to the Bible, you are picking the path that's the dumbest path there is. It's pretty strong, pretty hard to get around. I've been offended, of course. 
I've been wounded, of course. I've been hurt, so have you. But are you going to allow those things to become the reason why you cut off relationship in your life, godly relationships? Yeah, I know people have said to me, oh, you know, I worship God at the beach. I go, awesome, worship him there all you like. But he doesn't say, and by the way, just worship at the beach. He says, don't forsake assembling together. We still need to get together in our life in Jesus' name. Oh, look, you know, I love the church. I really do. I love it despite its missteps, mistakes, some of the silly things that can happen. But I'll tell you what, I've never seen anything like the people of God and their amazing stories of the great grace of God. They're phenomenal. And I love it. You know, the people around about you are literally miracles that are carrying the presence of God. They may not always look the best. They may not always act the best or speak the best. But come on, build your life strongly by saying, I'm going to make sure that I'm connected, not just attending, but I'm going to make sure my heart's in this place. Here's the fourth one and the last one. There's probably a few more, but I'm just going to give you these four today. First of all is the word. Secondly is prayer. Third's fellowship. Here's the fourth one, the one you've all been hoping I'd get to, and that's problems. Amen. What makes you strong? Well, problems don't make you strong, but without a problem, without a weight, it's unlikely you'll ever get strong. You know, sitting beside me here today, most of you would know Mitch Schofield. Mitch is a bit of a gym junkie of late, uh, but I'm pretty sure that when Mitch goes to the gym the first couple of times, you know, it's not easy. There's weights and you come home and you're a bit sore. Well, the, the weight, the pressure, if you like, is actually what's making him stronger. He's never going to get strong by going to the gym and picking up a feather and doing 100 reps. Up, down, up, down. Wow. A sheet of paper, up, down, up, down. It's only by picking up that 25 kilo weight and putting another one on the end of the bar, and I think that's 60 kilos all up, and do 30 reps of that, and all of a sudden your heart's pumping and your lungs are expanding and your muscles are quivering by the time you get to the end of the reps. And yet we do all that. Why? Because we know that if we keep doing it, at the end of it, we're stronger than we ever were before. Now, not every problem will do that. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to this key. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For our light affliction, that's the problem we're facing, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All my problems are making me stronger. Well, if only it stopped there and God had to do all that, but it doesn't. It goes on to verse 18 and it says this, Our light affliction works for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. Verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, spiritual battles, spiritual forces, the Lordship of Jesus, the heavenly host, while I keep my eyes on the God of my battles, like David said, this guy has picked on the people of God and he's no longer fighting against humanity 
against personality. Now the whole of the heavenly host is coming his direction. Now he's picked a battle with someone far bigger than him and a battle that he's definitely going to lose. Well, while I keep those things in front of my eyes, while we look not at the things which are seen, the personalities, the arguments, the problems, the circumstances, but at the things which are unseen, while we look at those things, then our light affliction works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Because the things which are seen are temporary. They're going to fade. But the things which are unseen, they're eternal. They're the things that are going to last. High Point Life, I want you to understand. I want you to hear it today from the Holy Spirit, not just from Jeff. I want you to hear this. Come on. You are well able in Jesus' name. I want you to hear that God wants to make you strong, that He wants to strengthen you with might by His Spirit in the inner man so that you and I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God, which passes understanding. In other words, He says, I want to put something in you that's greater than everything that's outside of you. God wants to do that for your life. And I believe that you and I can all go on the great adventure of winning battles for Jesus. And uh, what a joy that is when our life is not just about what we achieved, how much we own, the stuff we've got, but where we can look back in our life and say, God, with your help, I won victories in Jesus' name. Lord, deliver us from evil. And God says, good, let's go to boot camp. Come on, let's get in the gym together. Let's start strengthening. Let's build our life around the Word of God. Let's be people who pray. And please, I'm not asking you to go and you know, spend hours every day. I believe that if you just spent 10 minutes in the Word and 10 minutes praying, in a year, you'll look back and go, I'm a different person than what I used to be. Staying connected in fellowship. Double down on it. Don't do less of it. Double down on it even more. And then take a new perspective on the problems that come your way. Instead of giving up and railing against whatever it is that brought this your way, saying, God, this is a great opportunity for you to shine. I'm looking at you in the middle of all this. God, you're going to bring me through. You're going to use my life in a great way. And I thank you for it. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for High Point Life and thank you for all these amazing people. I thank you, Lord, that you want to do something great with each one of their lives. You want to use them in a mighty way. Father, I pray in this season, Lord, where so many people are talking about the problem and this and that, God, you and I will see that we have never been placed at the bottom. You've always put us at the top. You said that we're the apple of your eye, that we are your chosen. We are the elect. We are the ones, Lord, that you are coming back for. You're the one. We're the ones, Lord, that you gave yourself for. So, Father, I pray today for everyone, Lord, from the known to the not so well known, from the oldest to the youngest, from the person most involved to the person perhaps still waiting. God, I pray you'll take their life, fashion them and strengthen them for every battle. And we will give you all the glory and all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for the great opportunity to share with you. I really do hope we'll see you sometime soon. God bless.